0: Our show will always be ad-free and is totally supporter-driven. We use that money to pay our bills, buy research materials that make this show possible, and support charities like the Kurdish Red Crescent, the Flint Water Fund, and the Halo Trust. Consider joining the Legion of the Old Crow today. And now back to the show. Hello, and welcome to the Lines Led by Donkeys podcast. I am Joe, and as per usual, lately with me is Nate. How you doing, Nate? I'm doing really well. Uh,
1: it's about 7.06am in lovely Lawrence County, Indiana, where I'm visiting my parents. Uh, I I don't know if just going basically to hell and back on jet lag the last time that I traveled by air, which was uh, touring Australia with the Trash Future podcast and then visiting New Zealand and then flying all the way back from New Zealand to the UK, somehow did something to my brain where like I just developed some sort of better coping strategies for jet lag because like I, I stayed up till almost 11 p.m last night and i woke up at 6 and i was fine i have no idea what the fuck's going on like nice. <laughs> normally with jet lag i'm i'm like i'm like oh i'm so tired and i fall asleep at like 8 30 and i wake up at 2 like completely awake um yeah, the same way that didn't happen this time i have no idea what's going on but uh yeah i feel like i'm kind of beasting jet lag so just, your guess is as good as mine
0: when I Last time I made the flight uh, from when I was living in Hawaii to Armenia, when I came to Armenia, I had no jet lag at, at all. And when I flew back to Hawaii, it was like getting hit in the face of the fucking baseball bat. I was jet lagged for like a week and a half. It was really bad. Uh, but you know, I don't have to worry about that one anymore.
1: Yeah, man. I, I, I don't know what the difference... like. Uh, it's typically worse going back to Europe from America than coming to America from Europe in my experience. And part of that is I wonder if just like, you know, I, I took the... If you take the morning flight, you'll be... You have to get up kind of early. And then you get in and it's like it's only like three or four hours later than when you left. So you have to make it through that day. And then you're pretty tired. And so you fall asleep. You wake up like you're kind of back to normal. Or in my case, I took a flight. I left Gatwick at 3pm. And uh, I got to New York at 6. <laughs> Hilariously... It didn't take very long at all to get through customs, unlike my last experience, but it took like 40 minutes for the plane to taxi to the gate. <laughs> I have no idea why. Uh, and then got through customs, got my bag, got to my friend's place probably about 8 o'clock on the dot and stayed up till, I don't know, 1030, 1045, something like that, and then went to sleep. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I woke up pretty good. Like, But every time I go to Europe, it's like you either take a, a ball's early flight from America and then you get in and it's 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 late. Uh, and so like you're just exhausted because like you're already kind of tired by the time you get in, but like it's night and you're gonna deal with stuff. It's like dark. And then you you know you you somehow fall asleep and you get like four hours of sleep and your body thinks you're done. Or you take a red eye, which just sucks for me because I can't I can't sleep on planes. Me either. And your mission is either Oh, well, no, you can't. You're like 6'3, dude. <laughs> what the, like, the fuck. Unless you're in first class, like, I don't know how you would sleep. Um, yeah, and I'm
0: not springing. Uh, if I had the money for first class, I still don't think I would spend the money in first class. I would just fucking suffer. it. It's so suffer. expensive yeah. now.
1: It's so expensive now. Like, I know it's been. Okay. It's always been expensive, but, like, I, just out of curiosity, I looked when we were planning the Trash Future tour, what it would cost, even, like, on a cheap airliner to get business class tickets. And it's just, like, it's insane. It's, it's absolutely, uh, yeah. There's just. It was the difference between, like, you make a small profit on the tour by selling all the all the venues out, or like you literally you are already going to be in an enormous amount of debt from the airfare alone, and like maybe maybe selling tickets will fucking claw you out of a little bit of it. Jesus and it's like, all right, do I really want the business class tickets on Royal Air Brunei or whatever the fuck? <laughs> it is? It's like it's like the the Sharia airline where no alcohol is allowed. Like, no, I think I'm good.
0: Yeah, the the last time i flew uh i was flying from the uk back to armenia and fr- i was flying an airline so cheap that first class wasn't a thing um like whiz air Fly one. uh but i did have the magnificent uh experience of seeing a man go full like a uh, berserker mode in the moldovan airport and just start swinging on cops uh and he was being like drugged away by these two Moldovan cops, and I don't speak Russian or Moldovan, but I did fully understand he was saying like "fuck you, bitch" in, in Russian. And uh, it-, it got uh, more and more quiet and distant as he got drugged down this like nondescript, unlit hallway. So he's like, "Sukabliat, Yeah, I felt really bad.
1: I was at I was at security at JFK yesterday or rather at um, LaGuardia and I totally forgot to take my Kindle out of my bag so of course my bag got fucking flagged for you know examination and while i was waiting this old lady like was getting her bag or whatever like and they, she was waiting on them to like examine cuz she had fucked something up with her bags and she just like fainted jesus and just like hit the ground and so like there were like some people right by her who were helping in situations like that i often like i kind of size it up and i'm like am i going to help at all to intervene and like i could tell that she she had woken up and she was talking and I was just like, I'm just going to let the TSA people handle this. And if they have, they have paramedics, like that's their job. I don't think the TSA like,
0: have paramedics to be
1: completely honest. I'll be honest with you. It's very funny. They, they called like the one of, one of the, one of the people called for security and said like, you know, there was a medical, medical emergency. Um, and then nothing happened. And then like five minutes later, like a bunch of TSA guys just kind of milled over like non-playable characters in a video game and just kind of walked around. Like there's like, there was just like a gang of 10 of them just standing there, just like, kind of not doing anything, just watching and it's just like she was fine she she fainted yeah she had fainted she just had to get up and um you know but like it was one of those things where i was like "Uh, i want to make my flight and i don't really think i'm going to be helpful and i don't think going full like uh are you know army what was it uh what are they what are they what was the school or this the Uh, the combat lifesaver course combat lifesaver course shit was going to help like i i still have the acronym you know, for uh, responsiveness, breathing, bleeding. Uh, <laughs> like,
0: I'm going to say, as a guy who used to teach that class, no, you would have not have been any help.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You fucking, fucking uh, what's it called? Uh, rub both balls for better head. <laughs> that was the fucking acronym Jesus they taught us. Christ. Responsiveness, breathing, bleeding, uh, fractures, uh, head injuries. But one of the problems burns. with
0: combat lifesaver course doesn't teach you anything about like diseases or yeah like syncope just simply passing out things like that uh, yeah I was thinking about it too
1: like the thing with they yeah because it's like the the, the responsiveness or like maybe we should stop teaching every soldier to stick someone with a saline IV because in a combat situation like they freak out and just stick guys with IVs over and over again and well, just flood them. the
0: reason why is like that's not necessarily a bad thing and if, if this is going way too far off the rails Tom it's on you to cut this out uh, <laughs> but it was always so like traumatizing to the people in these courses. Because you know you'd have to give IVs to one another, and the army's full of fucking idiots, so it would hurt. They'd blow each other's veins, whatever, whatever. Oh, so it fuck. would like stick in the back of their minds that, like, since that was the worst day in class, that must be the most important thing, rather than like just just a simple tourniquet.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like you're you're sticking a guy who's got like a tra- traumatic amputation with just like IV after IV after, <laughs> after IV, but you're not doing anything about the amputation site.
0: Hey, he's giving giving him more fluid to lose, you know. <laughs> well, we've invented uh centripetal power of 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 someone's insights. yeah exactly well, well it's spicy team.
1: water it actually it just heals things
0: yeah yeah um, i have no good segue for this
1: uh, well i was thinking we're talking about we're talking about military shit you know we're talking about dumb things that soldiers do and and you know what better place to use the half ass military medical training Uh, That, you know, someone just fucking decided that you were obligated to get but didn't actually follow up on then getting deployed to a combat zone in the Caribbean, (laughs) a.k.a. the Dominican Republic.
0: Yeah. uh, Thanks, Nate. That's actually a solid save. Now, obviously, the U.S. has uh, a long and storied history of fucking with the Dominican Republic. and We can't possibly go into all of that today. Um and occasionally It's on the island of Hispaniola. There's two countries on the island of Hispaniola.
1: One is Haiti, one is the DR, and America has fucked with both to an immense degree. America hasn't fucked with Haiti more than France, but it still has fucked with Haiti an immense degree. To be fair, but it's America because has-
0: France had a head start. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And and <laughs>
1: France and France decided to play the long game, aka fucking them until like the nineteen nineties on debt repayment. Um, and invading
0: them and you know, credit where oh, credits too. Yeah. Napoleon sent an entire army to die there of like disease. Uh, malaria, yeah. yeah, basically, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Toussaint, Toussaint Louverture was just like, well, we are going to fight these guys, but also we're just going to make them fight the weather, and they just they just died of malaria. We're, and, like, we're, yellow fever we're deploying
0: our quick reaction force, which is thousands upon thousands of mosquitoes and tiny uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah, exactly. You know, uh, that's, Toussaint's that's, 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 bravest you, soldiers. Uh, I mean, if, if, if you wanted
1: Haiti that bad, he should have adapted. You know what? That's just the rule. That's how it works. We think like, those his 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 shooters were good, but. The Dominican Republic, who um, oh boy. So we're, we're talking about the one in the twentieth century, in the in the nineteen sixties, I believe. But it's been the U.S. is just ooh, we've been involved a long ass time. Yeah, and, yep. uh, and we're going to
0: talk about how exactly that started and why. Um, because obviously, if you go into the modern times, it's much easier to kind of explain, which is just normal imperialism mixed with. Capitalism and extraction and anti communist bullshit. However, back in the day, it was a lot more grim than that. Um, and the reason why is today's topic is not how, you know, we fucked with elections, we put strongmen in power or whatever. It's how the US came within a couple of votes from annexing the Dominican Republic and with a path towards fucking statehood after the Civil War. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, we brought this up a little bit for all of two seconds back when we talked about the Spanish-American War in the three-part series a long time ago. Um, But this is is kind of more. So it should come as no surprise to anybody that at the end of the American Civil War, there were a lot of people, white people specifically, standing around and beginning to wonder, what are we going to do with all these black people? Uh, Because their answers were not good. Uh And to be clear here, there were people who posited the obvious answer here, which is let 's all just live together as equals. However, I cannot stress enough how few and far between those people were, and as far away from any levers of power that they were in every way possible. Virtually everyone we 're talking about during this podcast is a fucking monster who thought very simply that black and white people can simply, could just not coexist. At best, they thought slavery was bad, but, and black people were human beings. However, they were not the same kind of human beings as white people. That, that's like the most progressive thought process we're talking about in today's episode. So like, it's a grim time in American history.
1: Well, the thing that I would say, too, is just that I, I don't like the really kind of facile comparisons that you'll get sometimes, and I think when this stuff is portrayed in film. Uh, when this stuff is portrayed in, in in popular media, like modern popular media, it's often very heavy handed. But so this might be the one time you hear me endorse anything by Steven Spielberg on this podcast.
0: No, fuck! It's the thirteenth. God damn! Yeah, it's the thirteenth.
1: <laughs> one of the things that I that I will actually say the the movie Lincoln did pretty well is demonstrate that in order to get the Thirteenth Amendment passed, they basically had to kind of pretend the people who were you know abolitionists had to more or less pretend that they didn't actually think there was any any real equality possible between black and white people but that obviously like it was just a matter of legal principle and i think that's actually kind of sanitized compared to how v- vulgar and cruel this stuff was throughout american history but like There definitely was... The conundrum for the American racist post-Civil War and post the passage of the 13th and 14th Amendments uh, was that you had a population of Black people who were American citizens. And it's like, legally speaking, they were the same as anyone else in terms of their citizenship. And there were a lot of these... like. Uh, Half cocked weirdo schemes to try to either encourage or force them to emigrate. Oh, we're gonna talk elsewhere. about those. Yeah,
0: we're gonna talk about. those. All right,
1: cool. A little bit, a little, little
0: bit of Liberia. That was a bit yeah. Of... Th- that was even before this. And good God, if there's ever if there's ever a example of Dad, I learned it from you. It is Liberia. <laughs> oh
1: fuck God, Liberia. Liberia is really bad. Like. There was definitely some back to Africa schemes, and there were also, like you said, some some crackpot white people schemes. The same kind of people who were trying to annex Nicaragua to be a slave state in the eighteen fifties were were planning on doing the same thing to basically create, yeah, some uh, some 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 filibusters, yeah, yeah, to do to create to create some, uh, yeah, like a dumping ground where they could they could ethnically cleanse Black Americans from America. I I will say that that is virtually
0: what this entire thing is about. so so it is imperative before if
1: you don't know anything about the Dominican Republic it is imperative for you to understand that the Dominican Republic is a country where most people have some mixed race ancestry and a number of people are mixed race black and you know uh native what we call native american i mean like that term doesn't really apply in the caribbean but like taíno indian or um Spanish European like some mixture that will become thereof. very
0: important later on as to how the story ends. <laughs>
1: but the point I'm trying to make here is that even Dominicans who are like no, I'm Spanish like you you look at them and you're like bro, have you been to Spain? Like y'all are mixed race. yeah And the however the Dominican Republic is also an insanely anti-black country and the modern Dominican Republic uh, I I obviously didn't go there in the 1800s. I've been there in the 2000s, or the 2010s. Um the the Dominican Republic is a country with a legacy of uh some really intense, very, very bad racial politics. And so like I guess it's just how you have to understand this that like if you don't know anything about it, that it's a, and I don't want to be, you know, hand wave broad brush here. My impression is the Dominican Republic is a country of mostly black people that hates black people. I'll be honest with you.
0: Oh, that's gonna make the rest of the story interesting. go ahead let's let's get it now this uh this um kind of belief that slavery is bad whether that be through legalese methods there's a lot of people who got to that point from religion um uh, whatever way they got to that point they still generally believe that black people and white white people were not equal and this is not a belief that was only relegated to after the Civil War. Even before Abe Lincoln won the Civil War and got a skull ventilated, it was something of a question that he wondered as well. According to the book "Colonization After Emancipation by Dr. Philip Magnus, Lincoln was involved in what was considered a very serious policy discussion about what to do about the post-Confederacy and really what the new reformed union would look like. And a huge... Part of that question was like, what do we do with all the free slaves? Uh, And it should be pointed out that one of the first things he thought of was not, in fact, let's just have them be free citizens of the United States. Um, He settled on creating slave colonies overseas. This is a, a process called it known as like recolonization. And most people are aware that this is not even the first time America did this, as Liberia had been a thing since 1816. And technically, that kind of worked as long as a you're a bad person, and b you didn't look too hard at what happened in Liberia to Liberia's native people, uh, who are already living there when it was "quote unquote" recolonized. Which is one of those things is like, Dad, we learned it from you. Like I think one of the first native Liberians. To actually be in charge of Liberia was Samuel Doe, which is the guy that Charles Taylor murdered. So it's like very, very recently uh, murdered. Samuel on... Doe also. T- Samuel Doe also. Sorry to interrupt you. Took power in
1: of basically an NCO's coup yes. in the in 1970s. So like, had Samuel Doe not basically couped himself into power, he would never have been allowed near the reins of power in Liberia.
0: Now, I wonder how that turned out. Let me take a nice sip of my coffee and
1: oh yeah it was great oh, no for oh, murdered, of Jesus murdered Christ. murdered on there's camera you say. <laughs> big, yeah they literally
0: literally murdered
1: knifed to death on camera in like the presidential office while people like were watching and drinking drinking beer yes. smoking cigarettes I, yeah I, I believe they're
0: up. drinking Budweiser too uh out of cans uh and I think he was partially cannibalized because it's Charles Taylor, we're talking about.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he, Charles Taylor, and his people were kind of into that. Yeah, it's, it's. Oh man, what a fuck. What a yeah. That's a whole that. That's one of those stories. Like Liberia is another one of those stories where like you want to do it justice and you want to, uh, you know, not exoticize or um, like go over the top with it. But it's kind of hard because it will sound made up and people will think that you're like. You know, making fun of it and like being an asshole about it, but it genuinely is that bad. And I think the thing that I'll say about the DR, because I know we're gonna get into Rafael Trujillo, like similarly. We won't. When you're that's like, that's Wait. too.
0: That's too. That's too uh, recent. But
1: ah, okay, never mind. All right, so, so that's a different annexation of the the, the DR right. kind of story. Yeah, yeah. So Ra- Ra- Rafael Trujillo, the dim- dictator of the Dominican Republic, from I believe like the twenties, maybe the forties until until the early sixties had a basically like like Duvalier style Tonton Macoute style secret police but mostly for like abducting people's hot daughters so he could fuck them like the man was relentless in and i mean here's the thing right this is this is coercion this is rape this is not of consensual sex but like it was understood in the DR like if you lived in Santo Domingo like find a place for if you have an attractive daughter you should absolutely make sure that she leaves the country because Trujillo was was that fucking relentless. So like, that's one of those things where it sounds like you're making it up, and it sounds like it sounds like it, it could be the fodder for jokes, but it's like it's also really, really not funny. Yeah, of course. You know what I mean? Like it's the same kind of thing with fucking Liberia. It's like
0: I mean, we covered Liberia s- very briefly a while ago, but it was way back in our first year. And honestly, I need to um, do it justice again because uh, it's yeah, yeah it's but a it's, fucking like, it's, like, it's it's wild story.
1: Like, yeah, like like you know. Uh, just stuff that the Vice Guide to Liberia is both not good and good in the sense that, like, it has it's it's the the classic Vice story of like incredible access, incredible like opportunities to interview people, and then to ask them like, "Whoa,
0: with the guy who Liberia looks like Steve from wheat? Blues Clues." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but the thing that made, the, but what
1: made me in 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 the like the Vice Guide to Liberia, they meet and spend time with General Butt Naked, yes, who is now he's a uh, preacher. Who's, yeah. he's now a preacher. And who tells the story about post-war sleeping in graveyards because he was homeless and that people were robbing graves to, to, uh, to cannibalize bodies. And he was like, well, I had to make sure. It was, a, it was a crime what they were doing. You know, It's an absolute sin to eat human flesh. But I had to make sure. So I tasted some of their jerky. And when I tasted that sweet flesh again, I knew it was cannibalism. And I was just like, bro, you got to hide the fact that you enjoyed it. You got you to go to your local like methadone clinic, but for human flesh. Oh my God! Yeah. So anyway, like I said, big derail here. But once again, the the, po- the overarching point I'm making here is that oftentimes this stuff it's so absurd that it's laughable. But then you also realize that it's like it's it's deadly serious too.
0: I mean, that's kind of like, like and what and we're this not story be, like, is scolds, too. Because but, like, yeah. the story sounds like it's going to get fucking ridiculous. I mean, it's it's very ridiculous how close America got to actually doing this. The reasons that it was wanted to do it, and more particularly the reasons why it didn't and like they're all patently hilarious because we're talking about 1800s brain but it's also horribly fucking tragic because this is the reality like post-civil war where a lot of people like to think that the worst of american history was generally over um and it, uh, it is not. yeah and then you look at then you
1: look at redemption post-reconstruction and you're like ah no it's not. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ.
0: It's 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 all bad. It's 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 a, it's a it's a downward staircase. It doesn't get better. Now, uh some historians argue that Lincoln eventually dropped this idea of recolonization. Um, However, he had asked for a constitutional amendment to make this legal and possible, as well as secured funding from Congress for uh, for, for an entire year before his Emancipation Proclamation in 1863. So it was at least at one point, not only like a thing that could happen, but it was a Lincoln priority post-war. Right. Lincoln had also signed a contract, the legal owner of an island off the coast of Haiti through an intermediary named Bernard Cock. Um, I, I just really like saying his name. The day be- he did that the day before the proclamation, and Lincoln was talking to Cock about moving five thousand people there as something of a test drive. So like he was he was going to send these people to Cock Island.
1: I mean, many of us have narrowly escaped the fate of being deported to Cock Island. But you know, it's funny. This this is, it, it's just weird because the first thing that comes to mind when I is, is I think about like the the aborted plan to the for the Nazis to deport all of Europe's Jews to Madagascar.
0: That wasn't really much of a real plan, though. Like that was more of like a sketching on a barroom napkin. Of course, no. It's
1: it's it's so. I mean, it's it's obviously like both logistically and and physically impossible. Also, in so they many never ways. took
0: over Madagascar. <laughs> yeah, it was a French colony. Like yeah. they didn't
1: own it. Yeah, yeah, and, and also like like uh i don't think that that i i i know for a fact that like the malagasy people would have fucking fought back against the nazis like that would have like that would have been the, the nazis basically creating like a like an indian ocean eastern front like <laughs> yeah it, it's which they loved doing they loved having eastern fronts but like at the end of the day here that's the thing that comes to mind it's like and it's just funny because when you talk about that stuff as regards to the Nazis, it's always kind of like this, just like a tinge of exoticism. Like, oh, they're so fucking insane with like their weird pagan rune shit, and they're like, oh, we're just gonna you know build a floating island like ten thousand feet above the Pacific, and we're gonna put all the Jews there or some shit. But then you realize, like, no, that's basically what America was doing. It's just like imagine the sort of like weird Book of Mormon buried golden plates version of that shit, and that's all the American nineteenth century.
0: And what's what's truly it. fucked up is the U.S. didn't get closer than the Nazis. Like, we actually did it. Um there was a test run done on Cock Island. Uh well meanwhile the Nazis were you know the the Madagascar thing is something like people like David Irving really like to latch on to. Like, see, there wasn't they weren't planning on killing everybody, they're just to send everybody to Madagascar. Like it wasn't really a yeah. plan. Um like this what this this proposal by cock about moving five thousand people and i will keep calling him cock uh this wasn't the first proposal that lincoln had received about the same idea though this is this one had the benefit of having the haitian government on board um this is because they were going to make a lot of money from this this whole deal like they were going to get kickbacks and stuff so they're like sure move into this random fucking desolate island that we don't want um but rumors began to spread quite quickly that cock was going to sell the freedmen into confederate slavery uh which when you know it derailed the project somewhat uh and uh, to be fair i have no proof that he was planning on doing that but i will say listen to what happens to the, when the to them when they actually get to the island and i'm going to say that that sounds like something he would do yeah i mean i don't know it's just it's just it's so fucking grim like i'm just the
1: fact that they like you said that we got this close to it and the fact that you know 5000 people like oh we're going to get <laughs> closer the- Nate People will move
0: to this island.
1: (laughs) Have (sighs) have you ever seen the
0: Japanese film Battle Royale?
1: I have not, but I I know the the plot. Okay, it's kind
0: of like that, but with cotton. Oh, for fuck's sake. Now, uh, (laughs) eventually the deal was settled that 500 people would be sent to Cock Island as a trial run before the 5,000 would go. Now, once there, Cock turned into a despotic lunatic ruling over the island that was virtually just a cotton plantation. And no, he did not tell the government about this. This is because Cock had not built any housing, any medical treatments, any schools, nothing. It was literally just a cotton plantation and the tools to export cotton. He had recreated a southern plantation on a Haitian island. Now, Uh. also remember that these are American-born freedmen uh, moving to a Caribbean island with no kind of disease resistance whatsoever. Uh, So you can guess what happens next. Oh, no, fuck's sake. In the case that the government or any investors into the project wanted to swing by and take a look at, you know, Cock Island, he banned any and all travel to the colony that was not previously approved by him. And he approved exactly none of it. He also came up with his own currency and a company store. So, yeah, we got, we got company script at, the, uh, at the, 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 the Cock Island cotton plantation now that the government paid for, mind you.
1: Oh my God, that's insane.
0: This whole thing (laughs) lasted two months before Cock was forced to flee his island when it became clear that the 500 or so people were planning on killing him. Cock was removed from the project and the colony was eventually just completely abandoned. The federal government, namely Abe Lincoln, had to get involved because he he realized, like, we have to get these fucking people off that island and bring them back to the United States. Of the original 453 people who set sail to the island because some died before they actually left, Two hundred and ninety-two made it back to the U.S. Uh, oh my God. there was a whole lot of smallpox, a lot of starvation, and a fuckload of malaria involved. But some of the people that did not return did not die. Seventy-three said, "Fuck this, I'm moving to Haiti." So good on them. You know, it's one of those things where I don't
1: necessarily want to like make like a joke about it or do a podcast riff about it because it's just like the first of many things. It's like you know, the U.S. just simply loves to make it clear uh that i don't know that it sees black citizens as a problem to be solved you know what i mean and like that was more blatant back then but like it's also a problem now that legacy continues like we are america is i mean i was thinking about this being uh back in in southern indiana with my parents cuz my parents aren't from here but this is where they retired to is that this place is like super bible thumpy and i was like yeah reading about john brown like him you know spending his young adulthood in like upstate New York, but then also around Ohio, in Indiana, places like this, the degree to which like insane evangelical Christianity was like the norm then. That's what every, like, this is actually the mild version of what it was like. Like, that's how it's always been. And I think about that with like anti black racism in America. Like, it's just, it's, it's the literal DNA of America. Yeah. And, and it, like people love to deny that shit, but like, it's, it's just, it's, you have to really. Fully contort yourself into like a pretzel made of challah to be able to convince yourself that it's not
0: just I mean, anybody anybody who says that it's block. not a, a building block uh, like one of the main foundational building blocks of the united states is just simply lying to themselves or they're just it's
1: not even a bill it's not even a foundational building block it's every cornerstone and also every brick is stamped racism
0: like, <laughs> Well the, the bricks are made by racism depending on how far back you go like <laughs> yeah exactly it, it's one of the things that's kind of uh, obnoxious to me Uh, it's whenever, you know, obviously this doesn't happen too much because people who listen to the show generally obviously don't think that way, but occasionally someone will come through and be like, Oh, this show was just telling you about how everything back in the day was racist. Like, yeah. Especially if I'm talking about fucking Western Europe and North America, like, like what the fuck do you think I'm going to be talking or Russia? You know, like most of history is, is a long streak of blood uh, led off by various imperial powers and if that happens to be the country that you're from whether it be the united states the uk belgium russia like you get literally nothing from pushing back on that other than denying people their own history and it's fucking a, it's it's soullessly stupid and it's mostly all based in nationalism which is why those people are fucking brain dead uh, <laughs> and it, yeah i mean you don't I, you, I, like I was, li- uh, being from one of these places doesn't necessarily make you bad because this place you like because you're this is the the part of your nation's history. You had nothing to do with it, but the least you can, well, unless you did, but like the least you can do is at least acknowledge it. That literally takes nothing.
1: Well, that puts me in an interesting position because uh, I'm I'm kind of a rarity. Most people with my last name are black. And the reason is, is that my dad's family all the way back uh, were slave owners in the North Carolina, South Carolina area. They were Huguenot on my dad's side and um, came over in like the 1600s. And, uh, farmed indigo and cotton and had slaves. And uh, after emancipation, people took the last name Bethay because that's who their owner was. And like white Bethays love to lie to themselves about it. Be like, oh, well, there was one. One Bethay was like a really good doctor and every baby he delivered took the last name. Like, Man, shut the fuck up. Do you think that actually happened? There's no way they believe that the fucking happened. Oh my God, that's what they say, dude. They fucking, because they're like, oh no, we, we didn't own slaves. And It's like, yes, you fucking did. Like the simplest answer is the most obvious one. And like, in this case, why is there a margin of like 100 to 1 that everyone with the last name Bethe is black? I want, hmm, what other proportions where it was 100 to 1 black to white in the American South do you think there might have been? like get, do a little bit of crea- like, critical thinking
0: here i'm glad that so, uh, you like, know the joys of being born of an immigrant family is that you don't really have to worry about early american history what's that joe your grandfather was the french foreign legion fought in algeria shut up uh- <laughs> right it's like it's like
1: it's like it's like i could be like oh well, i'm on, i'm only half responsible for the slavery side of shit cuz my mom was born in england um uh, hmm, 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 huh, hmm, hmm. my great grandfather and grandfather in the british army in, in india hmm, in palestine mandate hmm, uh i wonder what they did like come on you like, know I mean? if, we're, if like, we
0: all have to pay for the sins of our family then we're all fucking guilty nobody out there is innocent I, and i don't really think that like like that's one of the things that's really interesting is that um is is being married
1: to a black woman is that like it's not really talking about this stuff it's not that people have to like do penance it's just more to, to acknowledge and be aware of it yeah of course and like there and it's like when you talk about about uh, about reparations like you know one of the strongest arguments for reparations was made by todd ossey coates talking about redlining up until like the 1970s in chicago like it wasn't it's not just slavery reparations it's like reparations for jim crow and the fact yeah, of course that the biggest ge- the biggest generator of american wealth there's all of like the post-war benefits things like the va and va loans and the gi bill
0: and black people were excluded from all of that i mean arguably the everything that's happened post-civil war has impacted significantly more people than slavery did because obviously the population now is much larger, but they continue to be impacted by systemic racism much more than they would have been before because they weren't born yet. So like this is the the, people always like to think that reparations has anything to do with slavery, which of course it does. But like we're also talking about things that are literally within immediate lived history and even then slavery, not that far out of lived history. There's people whose like parents and grandparents were fucking slaves Like this is not, uh, ancient. we're not talking about ancient Greece here. This shit was not that long ago.
1: (laughs) My, 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 my grandmother is 91 and she grew up in the Mississippi Delta. And when she was alive, there were people who were still alive, who were the children of slaves. My mom and dad and I were talking about this last night. They went to segregated schools in Mississippi when they were kids. Yeah, of course. My parents are not, they're not even 70 years old yet. And they, when they were in grade school, schools were still segregated. My stepdad remembers like
0: America being segregated. Like
1: it's not that long ago. No, it's not that long ago. And so I know we've we've derailed this a little bit, but like talk going moving back to the stuff about the DR, I feel like the thing the, the point to be made here is that so much of America's psychopolitics around its neighbors in Latin America and in the Caribbean were either to do with this pretensions of empire, uh fears of later on fears of like another Cuba or just like opportunism. Uh an idea that if we didn't do it, the Europeans would, or a fixation on the racial balance of America. Like I, I, I am not exaggerating, and I mean, I, I, I did quite a bit of reading about William Walker, the filibuster who tried to to, uh, recapture, to to capture Nicaragua to make it a slave state. And like guys like that were a dime a dozen in the 1850s in, in the middle 19th century, in the sense of their fixation on racial inequality being sort of put in place by God and like that those attitudes didn't didn't go away and like thus uh, and 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 in in this period of sort of like real unabashed of adventurism in the caribbean you get the stuff you're talking about
0: yeah unfortunately this shit gets a lot dumber uh, but i do have something fun uh, all right let's hear bernard it bernard cock is not that important to the story i think we've all kind of understood that i just like saying the word cock cuz i'm a child uh, but while searching him and looking him up I did find a website that is run by his family that attempts to defend him while also saying, quote, history has been brutally unkind to Bernard Koch, my third, (laughs) my third great grandfather. Historians use all kind of pejoratives to describe him. Swindler, scoundrel, opportunist, and perhaps with good reason. (laughs) so even while defending him they have to be he's kind of a piece of shit oh and even though his last name is cock someone in this family named someone with the uh, married someone with the last name boner so they're the boner (laughs) cocks yes
1: that's exact see that's the thing it's like you know long long has history looked down upon the humble bernard cock but we, the, the, the boner branch of the cock family, are going to redeem it. You know, it's very funny that there's a... This always makes me laugh. There was there was a, a British, I think, politician named Bonar Law. B-O-N-A-R. But yeah, Bo- Bonar Law. And uh, <laughs> there's a Bonar Road very close to where I live. And I'm just, I'm just like, guys, like surely at this point, we can acknowledge that this is, this is just... Someone's stealing well, that sign. Oh, 100%. I mean, and it's not even the weirdest British place name, but that's a whole episode in and of itself. I
0: personally only dabble in Bonar Law myself.
1: Um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah exactly but you know what you know what the uh the 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 august scholars of american legal history and the the boner cock family, fucking the the boner
0: spur of the cock
1: family are going to be able to uh elucidate more of this
0: i swear i didn't make that up either i'll put it i'll put it in the show notes now this small haitian island was not obviously the only target because if you notice five thousand people is not a lot when you consider that there's an estimated 4 million slaves in the country, as well as about a half million freedmen, according to a census sometime made in the uh, 1860s. Uh, there was plans for Belize and Panama, which would have moved upwards of 50,000 people. However, that little fuck up in Haiti that killed like 200 people was something of hot news topic in the black community back in the United States. People heard about it. So when the next volunteer drive went around to, you know, hey, who wants to go on this recolonization effort? He didn't, Lincoln didn't exactly get the thousands of people uh, to volunteer and sign up for that he wanted for the next smallpox jamboree. Um in an attempt to get people on board again, he invited a group of black ministers to the White House, where he tried to like effectively turn them into pitchmen for his idea. He told them that, yes, yeah, slavery is bad. The only way to make sure the U.S. doesn't continue to experience race-based violence or war is for y'all to get the fuck out. And uh, wouldn't you know it, this was not very popular amongst these groups. Uh, One of these guys is Frederick Douglass uh, who publicly called Abraham Lincoln a quote, itinerant colonial preacher who has made himself look ridiculous. Um, Now, this pushback along with, you know, no volunteers and, you know, the idea of like, oh, like the logistics of deporting millions of people is just something that we can't do. um, Made Lincoln pull funding away from these projects after the Emancipation Proclamation was given, effectively letting them die. However, Recolonization would not die with this effort. After Lincoln got shot, his vice president, Andrew Johnson, became president. Johnson was something of an anti post war reconstruction guy, and without going into Johnson too much, he fucking sucks. And he effectively killed the entire process before it could be complete or really even take hold. Uh, now, a small side note here, just so we can have some levity in this episode Johnson was apparently so blackout drunk when he was sworn in as vice president. It was so embarrassing to Lincoln that the two only met one time between inauguration and Lincoln's assassination because he fucking hated if him. You remember correctly, he was kind of the he was kind of the compromise candidate to placate yeah.
1: the the South. And uh he definitely obviously was. they still they, they still seceded um, when uh, when Lincoln was I believe I mean, my, my dates are kind of fucked up here. Well, but Lincoln remember, won reelection
0: during the war uh, as well. Right, he,
1: like, like, like they, they, the, the, Southern states seceded. They began the secession process when Lincoln was in the process of be, being inaugurated. Um, and yeah, that, that, you know, kicked everything off. But yeah, so he, he basically beat was a like, guy,
0: the, uh, he's a former general. Uh, his name's escaping me at the moment. Uh, yeah, McClellan, McClellan, uh, who wanted to make peace with the South, uh, and he was, you know, not unpopular, but uh, Lincoln won, uh, and that's when Johnson was his vice president but johnson was something of a, piece something of a uh, of a huge piece of shit yeah, he was a massive piece of shit he was he was something of, yeah. of a of a peace offering towards the more south southern friendly parts of government uh which lincoln absolutely was not if lincoln was not assassinated i think the united states would look a lot fucking different right now because reconstruction would have come in hard and not gone away um, yeah I mean cuz they because the the military occupation of the south kind
1: of enforcing the fr- the freedmen's laws ended because the sort of bitcoin of the 1870s caused a, a, a huge economic crash around the world in 1873 and um and so the, well one thing that you'll find interesting uh in American history this is very particularly relevant in American adventurism for example in uh the Caribbean in the 18 or the 1930s rather is that when america really suffers economic downturns it tends to wind in its uh expeditionary forces a little bit uh but then when an opportunity strikes it they'd always go back so like america has left haiti it's left you know places like nicaragua numerous times when when the economy was sucking and they had to like appropriate funds for for the military but uh they never gave up on the opportunity to go back um and so yeah sadly, uh one of the ways in which they wound in the expeditionary forces was withdrawing federal troops from the south. I believe post eighteen seventy three i don't I'm not hundred percent hot on the date and um that led to and then he put well, all the in, same it,
0: people back in power all over again and then led to the black laws and or the black Code. Yep. yeah, we're about to get into that as well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, some some good stuff that definitely hasn't gone
1: away that definitely isn't still fully in effect in, you know, just sort of roundabout kind of wink-wink nudge-nudge ways. I had this comment too with my parents that I thought was interesting was that the military is one of the only things in America like we're not saying join the military, the military sucks, but the military was actually legally mandated to take desegregation seriously and it actually desegregated in a way that it's basically like one of the only institutions in America that's fully desegregated.
0: It was also the first organization that paid black and white people the exact same. Now, uh, Johnson fucked up Reconstruction something bad. This is mostly... I mean, he didn't fuck it up. He did it on purpose. He can't fuck it up if you you do it with intent. This is mostly based on the very flawed opinion that since the government did not recognize the Confederacy as a legal entity, the South never actually left the Union, meaning full state power should be reintroduced as fast as possible, and that the federal government had no grounds to regulate what states did when it came to virtually anything. Uh, Thankfully, that attitude doesn't exist anymore, right? uh now not at all does not lead. Yeah, exactly it is 100 percent normal federalism bad uh now virtually the only thing that made the that he made the southern states do kind of was uphold the 13th amendment and in reality mm-hmm. they didn't do that as immediately this led to the black code laws um, johnson killed reconstruction so hard he was impeached for it amongst other things um and this isn't an ex- exhaustive history of reconstruction uh, there's quite a bit of uh, you know of uh, fighting back against Johnson from the so-called radical Republicans, a name that meant the exact opposite of what that means today. Uh, <laughs> it's kind of funny that the radical Republicans of the 1860s would be more progressive than radical Republicans in 2023.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, that's a whole sleight of hand thing about the Republican. Oh, oh yeah, Party of course, of course. It's yeah. just funny
0: because they have virtually the same name, um, but. You can thank Johnson for the reason that nobody outside about three people were ever charged criminally for that whole Confederacy thing. Um, Like, yeah. And even then, it was really hot. Like, it was almost virtually pointless. After falling out with his party, he tried to switch sides to the Democrats due to how popular he was in the South and lost the primary, which is admittedly pretty goddamn funny. Ulysses S. Grant won the presidential election, and took over a shitstorm that had been left behind by Johnson. Now, I'm not saying that makes Grant an innocent guy, by any stretch of the imagination. By the time Grant took office, Reconstruction was not only failing, but deeply unpopular. And since Grant's time in office was a firing squad of various different scandals, it was just another f- failure laid at his feet that made him very, very personally unpopular. Uh, and, and I'm not saying he didn't deserve it. Grant comparatively, at least, and we're talking about a low bar here, when it comes to black people, he was not that racist. Uh, when it comes to virtually everybody else, Native Americans, Jews, good goddamn, was he was he fucking bigoted as hell? Um, like he's, I, he did one of the very few like literal pogroms against Jewish people in American history. Uh, oh, Jesus, yeah, yeah. And I mean, he straight up green-lighted a genocide against Native Americans. But when it came to black people, he was fine, uh, and that has to do mostly with his service during the Civil War. Uh, because he did own slaves. I think he owned singular slave cause he was very, very poor before the civil war and he, uh, he freed them. Um, like he was strangely progressive when it came to slaves and black people in his day and then virtually nothing else. Uh, so I guess there's that.
1: Yeah. There's, there's always those, those weird outliers, isn't it? Where it's like, Oh, good on one thing, terrible on basically everything else. But, uh,
0: However, not being a racist for his day also meant that he was fine deporting as many black people as he could, which I cannot stress enough was still not the worst thing some people had in mind uh, in the 1800s. However, his reasoning for it was much different than Lincoln's, but in the end, it doesn't really matter. It's the same thing. While Lincoln thought that there would be violence in general in America, therefore black people had to go, Grant was more pointed, noting that the massive amount of anti-black hate, hate crimes tearing through the South was evidence that black people would never be safe in the US. In a memo supporting this, he writes, quote, the present difficulty in bringing all parts of the United States to a happy unity and love of country grows out of the prejudice of color. A prejudice is a senseless one, but it exists. Again, I don't agree with what Grant is saying here, but the idea of because mostly the you know the idea of recolonization is deeply fucked, but his rationale was much better than others. But it, when that gets you to the same end goal, I don't know if you can you know you can hand it to him. Now Grant was again looking at Panama or even Brazil as a place to move people to. However, Brazil was disregarded as an option when someone pointed out that hey, Mister President, still had slavery, slavery is still legal there, and it would not be until eighteen eighty eight. Yeah, I was
1: going to say Brazil was the like the last Western colonial country to get rid of slavery and that's a whole story in and of itself also but yeah brazil still has slavery until the late 1880s um
0: yeah and it was a lot of slaves
1: i don't think people realize this another thing is that america obviously was you know our our history is massively shaped by the atlantic slave trade but in terms of numbers brazil got far more slaves than america did Oh yeah, it it's just that. Also, yep. so many more of them died from yep. terrible conditions, disease, etc. So, like the majority, like I, 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 think the the lion's share, if not the outright majority, of uh, of slaves trafficked from Africa to the New World went to Brazil. Obviously, like the Caribbean's a huge example of this too, because you know the the the, the populations of of countries like uh Barbados and Jamaica and uh Haiti and you know. The Bahamas, like these were all these were all uh plantation colonies run by the the ones I named by the British, with the exception of Haiti being run by the French. but um Brazil, God was like yeah, we
0: talked about that a little bit during the uh, the War of the Triple Alliance of how like it was one hundred percent propped up by slaves, and one of the reasons they actually kept that war going on for so long is they weren't sure what to do with all the slaves that they had deployed to the war when they came back home. So they just like kept them campaigning for two extra years.
1: (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, it's just once again, I feel like that's very, very funny that Ulysses S. Grant was like, set him to Brazil. That's a normal country. And they did Um, talk about
0: annexing Brazil, which they then realized would be fucking impossible. They talked about Panama, which was not a willing partner, as they saw, like, this is just American colonialism via freed slaves. Um, And that's this is where the Dominican Republic finally comes into play. Uh, They'd become independent from Spain in 1844, at least for a little while. The new republic was a bit shaky due to being surrounded by various imperial influence like the Spanish, the Americans, and even the Haitians who wanted to take over all of the island of Hispaniola. And, you know, don't forget France and England as well. After 13 years of independence, uh, something called the July Revolution took place and the president Bonaventura Baez was overthrown, replaced by a guy named Pedro Santana. Who was a Spanish loyalist who demanded that Spain re annex the country, and they did. Uh, this led to all around terrible shit. Despite saying they wouldn't, Spain immediately reintroduced the save slave based extractionary colonial policies they had founded the colony on because it's Spain. Uh, they also imposed huge tariffs, forced people to give back their livestock to the military, and all around made Baez, the asshole who bankrupted the government beforehand and led to the revolution. Seemed like a pretty good guy in comparison. This led to the Re- Restoration War in 1863. And then by 1865, the Spanish crown backed down, annulling the previous annexation and the creation of the Second Dominican Republic was official. And after a few little shakeups in the occasional coup, Benaventura Baez is once again president before being kicked out and again, becoming president again. Seriously, this happens like four times.
1: Yeah, this is this is there uh, is I've never been able to really nail down but I know that there's at least one like political science paper that's argued this uh, that study has shown that like every system in every system of government in Latin America that's modeled on the American kind of like uh, Republican system of, you know, bicameral legislature and strong executive is just constantly doing this shit. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like really, really unstable. Um, and, uh, I definitely think that, that pretty much every country in the Americas to include the United States that has it is an example of that.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's not that surprising. So
1: we are now, uh, the Dominican Republic is, is looking, looking right for the picking for
0: recolonization. Oh, God. So it all, it all goes through Baez. By the time Baez came to power the third time, it was no secret that the U.S. was creeping around looking to expand and find a place to pack as many free slaves as possible within their borders. Grant, who was looking for exactly that, was also a hardcore expansionist. And if you remember from our Spanish-American War series, he had his eyes set on Cuba for quite some time until it became obvious that this would just lead to a war with Spain, which he didn't want so soon after the Civil War. But would come in the future anyway. Baez heard Americans talking about sending black people to his country, which led him to look around and notice that the last two wars had left his country mostly a smoking ruin that was bankrupt, and you know, most of that was his fault, but let's not look too far into that. They were, you know, he was looking for a way out of this, and the same imperial powers that had wanted to take them over before were still hanging around. So he leaned over the ocean and was like, hey, Grant. U.S., my man, fucking annex us. And this actually wasn't the first time this happened. Previously, during the Johnson administration, Baez, again, while threatened with invasion by Haiti, asked the U.S. to annex them for protection and was told to go kick rocks. Uh, And that had mostly to do with Johnson himself not really caring. This wasn't even their second or third time trying to join another country uh, for protection or otherwise. And it was all bias. Uh, Previously, they wanted to join the proposed nation of Gran Colombia, only for Haiti to stop them. Previous to that, uh, President Baez also tried to give the country to France.
1: It's very funny to be a president for life who fucking hates his job. Right. And it's just like desperate for someone to come and do his homework for him.
0: Yeah, like, he I mean, he wanted to stay in power, but he didn't want any of the problems of being in power.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Grant loved this idea. And while working on it, he, he he had to work on getting it tabled to a vote to make it official, of course. He sent a na- uh, like some ships from the Navy to hang out off the coast to deter anyone else from taking it over in the meantime. So they're like, Grant meant this. Of course, Baez is probably assuming he'd remain in place and get to do whatever the hell he wanted should the annexation go through. Mm-hmm. This would give the country, colony, state, or whatever in the situation protection, and he believed that the force of American arms would keep him in power, and he was probably right. Then, as if to sweeten the deal, Baez held a referendum within the Dominican Republic, so, you know, he allowed the people to vote on the possibility of annexation. And, you know, of course, this vote was crooked as shit. Baez's thugs chased away anybody from the poll who so much even looked like they might vote wrong. Uh, And in the end, only 30% of the able population voted, but miraculously, the measure passed with 99% approval with only 11 people voting against it. Hooray, Saddam <laughs> Hussein reelected president from the Ba'ath Party. <laughs> Democracy works. Now, again, Grant was like, see, look, this all works. It fit with his administration's needs perfectly. The country is rich in resources as well and would stop the colonization of the West by European powers, which he needed uh, you know, in order to maintain the Monroe Doctrine. Grant openly hoped that the entire black and mixed race population of the United States would want to and be able to move there, which at the time was equal to equal to or greater than the entire population of the Dominican Republic. I don't think he thought that went through very much. Yeah. So just double the population overnight. Now, you would assume, possibly, uh, that the expansion of American power beyond its borders and especially into the Caribbean would at least within the political cast of DC, even back then, be universally popular. Like, remember how popular the Spanish-American War would be in a few years. You would be wrong, however, and for uniquely and increasingly weird and racist reasons why this became unpopular. Huh. Now, this this seems like like, like, like double, you know, double
1: jeopardy racism, canceling out racism because you've got, you're basically saying that forcible repatriation and or ethnic cleansing of black Americans was unpopular, but for also racist reasons. Yes, I'm intrigued.
0: I'm gonna say you're not actually gonna be that surprised, and I tell you why. Um, because you you have the same mindset as I do, and like you probably already kind of know where this is going. Now, the charge against annexation was led by Charles Sumner of Massachusetts, who is probably most famous for being beaten half to death with a cane on the Senate floor by opposing slavery by Preston Brooks of South Carolina. Um, now, this is from an insider article. I'm gonna read off his reasoning, and I'm willing to bet at first. Everybody listening will agree. All right. That includes me when I read it, and it'll probably include you, Nate. All right. Quote, much of the opposition to the bill led by Charles Sumner of Massachusetts, who was chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, and who'd arguably had more influence of the Republican Party than Grant did. Grant spent months trying to get Sumner on board, but Sumner had one main sticking point. Sumner did not believe that the United States should acquire any territories in the Caribbean or Latin America. He also believed that the pro-annexation camp would eventually want to take over the entire island, which included Haiti. He thought Baez was corrupt and couldn't be trusted, and correctly pointed out that he was just using the United States to stay in power. He also seemed to support the freedom and independence of Caribbean nations against any idea of expanding American empire into the area. Good idea, right? Good opinion. Like, he's not wrong. That's solid, right? Like, maybe you don't take over more people.
1: Is the reason because he doesn't want to have to grant citizenship to a bunch of non-white people?
0: Actually, significantly dumber, but there is someone that does believe that. Uh, now, in the same article, N- Nicholas Gayat, a professor at Cambridge, said the reason why he thought that is because Sumner was under the belief that any warm climate area belonged to black people <laughs> due to them being fundamentally and biologically different.
1: <laughs> Joe, I realize this episode is going long and derailing, but I don't know if you know this, but... That's the reason why black people weren't allowed, legally weren't allowed to emigrate to Canada. What? Even for... I'm dead fucking serious that the Canadians genuinely blocked immigration of black freed Americans to Canada because they said they can't take advantage of our homesteading stuff because it's too cold and they physically can't handle the climate. I'm dead serious. Like, uh... Like, if you go back and you're looking at, like, Canada in the latter half of the 19th century, I'm dead serious. The same argument was made. They're like, nope, this is country's too cold. We need white people. Actually, black people can't the same
0: thing it. happened during the Spanish-American War when they flexed out a lot of the soldiers because they were dying of horrible illnesses. And someone said, black people don't get sick that bad, right? Let's send them. And they're like, that's not how biology works. All these guys were born in the United States. <laughs> like, like,
1: yeah, I mean... <laughs>
0: Like, oh, yeah, we're simply biologically different. And it, of course, it did not work. Um, so, yeah, yikes. Sumner, the main driving force, rallied to aside the worst fucking people you could imagine. That's right. The entire South. Now, much like you were saying, the former Confederate states were staunchly opposed to the annexation of the Dominican Republic. And let's guess why. You said it's because, obviously, having bringing thousands of non-white people into the United States, which, in my opinion, would probably still not pass the Senate vote today. Uh, But there's another reason, and it's the opposite reason. The pro-annexation movement was very pro-statehood. Even though the goal of annexation was to find a dumping ground for America's black population, they were worried about the possible influx of black and mixed-race people back into the country. Now, going off of Sumner's worry that pro-annexation crowd wouldn't stop and eventually take over Haiti terrified the South, as Haiti had a proud history of shooting people like them for quite a long time. But a bigger worry for the southern states, despite their intense racism, they needed their black populations to stay where they were because their entire economy completely depended on them using for cheap, exploitable labor in a situation as close to slavery as humanly possible. So if they created a pipeline to get rid of America's black population, the South would once again collapse. I mean, you know what's funny is that that's also something that was a huge factor during
1: the first great migration, which is the fact that, um, you know, northern factories were sending people down to recruit black workers because they could, you know, they could pay them less, uh, but they could still pay them more in the north than they could, than they'd get paid in the south. And this was like, you know, American capitalism at work, but like the southern governments went really, really hell for leather trying to block and obstruct and like fight this stuff because they didn't want uh sharecroppers leaving like they're like no you you are are the situation to remain the job is to be peasants and be miserable and make money for us like it's yeah it's shocking also i looked it up and i wasn't wrong uh it was wilfrid laurier famous fucking canadian prime minister wilfrid laurier formalized it in 1911 that black people can't emigrate to canada because it's too cold we
0: love weather-based eugenics yes i I, I, i've i've been
1: like Canadians may not know this cuz Canadians love be Canada is a country what if what if the New York Times comment section finally got to run its own country <laughs> and my god they they do not like knowing this stuff but yes this is very true.
0: Oh god. Now uh the most normal people against the annexation point out that that guys this is Baez, dude dude is probably full of shit since he keeps getting kicked out of power and he keeps trying to give the country away to anybody who'll take it off his hands. If the U S absorbed this place, he would be our problem to deal with. Like that's like the best excuse. That's like non-racist, non-whatever. It's like, I think this guy might be shisty, you know, mm, Weir- yeah. weirdly around the same time, one supporter of this plan was Frederick Douglass. Really? This seemed to be because he supported the vote Baez had held rather than like he believed that like if we don't annex it this way we'll simply invade it. Uh however regardless Roger. one Frederick Douglass biographer says quote it was not Frederick Douglass's finest hour and I have to agree with him. Yeah, a bit. I mean, a hey, bit you there. can't be right all the time. Occasionally you accidentally like it's like uh W.E.B. Du Bois being in support of the Japanese empire. Like Whoops! <laughs> like, I mean, that is I mean, that is a thing that actually happened. Like, so every I didn't every, realize every, that. Yeah, every once in a while, like, whoops! <laughs> now, in the end, on June thirtieth, eighteen seventy, the Senate sat down and voted. You want to guess what the vote was? I mean, obviously, didn't win because uh, the Dominica is not a state. But like, do you want to guess what the vote was? It's closer um, than you think. Forty-eight fifty-two. It was a tie. 28. Thirteen didn't vote. Oh, yeah,
1: my, I'm, I'm stupid. There weren't 50 states back then, yeah.
0: but 13 people simply refused wise.
1: to vote. Wow. Every single Democrat right.
0: voted against, while Sumner was able to swing enough Republican votes to kill it, and uh, with a tie, as Grant needed two thirds majority. So that is how fucking close this came to being a thing. Is because if Charles Sumner, I don't know, may, maybe that caning fucked his brain up a little bit and made him believe that like, we can't take over the Caribbean. That's too hot for white people or whatever. Like, if that didn't happen, or maybe some cause like Sumner also had a personal beef against Grant as well. So, like, maybe if that didn't happen, like this was 100 percent going to occur. Now, would Dominica still be part of the United States? Who knows? But like, it it was a tie vote. It almost happened. Now, Grant didn't bother trying again because his own party very clearly turned against him and he couldn't do much to get back at the people who'd ruined his plans other than fire Sumner's friend who's the ambassador to Britain, which to me is just a favor. Uh, And he eventually got Sumner fired from his role leading the committee he was on. However, Grant had so broken his own party by doing shit like this that by the time of the 1872 presidential election, the Republicans split in half with one side nominating Grant and the other calling themselves the liberal Republicans nominated Horace Greenlee, uh, who was then endorsed by the Democrats, meaning the Republicans effectively ran against themselves. Even weirder than that, a Supreme Court justice was next down on the line for the liberal liberal Republican ballot, which, to be honest, I did not know a Supreme Court justice could run for president. I yeah, mean, neither. And uh, and one of the greatest stories of like uh, of, of fraudulent voting ever, two states had all of their votes thro- thrown out, Arkansas and Louisiana, on a kind of fraud before they could even be counted. Then Horace Greedley fucking died, uh, and then so Grant won. Um, uh, Though Greeley did win 66 electoral votes, which stands to this day as the most ever won by a dead guy. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, that, that's how that ends. Um, way to go, America. That's okay. I didn't realize that this... Co- I mean, would you say that this this just
1: general fucking meltdown we we're just describing was because of what happened with the fake... the,
0: the f- you know, aborted Dominican Republic annexation? Not on its own, no. I mean, Grant was a scandal machine. Uh, I mean, like, we know a lot about him now. Like, for instance, everybody's like, oh, yeah, Grant was a famous alcoholic. When he really wasn't, mm-hmm. like, that was a really successful bit of propaganda. Like, he was an alcoholic early in his military career and then also when he was a general for a little bit. Uh, but then, like, gotcha. so was most of the people around him. Um, but uh, he, he, his own party fucking hated him for this reason, all of the scandals he was involved in. He was famously like people have always argued that maybe it wasn't him that was corrupt, but he was just so bad at controlling his own office that everyone around him was, um, he was, wasn't a good president. Uh, so like by the time this election came around, he had pissed off his own party enough that they were willing to fucking torpedo themselves. And the Democrats were happy enough to help, uh like he almost like he didn't almost lose to Greeley, but again, Greeley fucking died. Uh so like if maybe if Greeley didn't fucking die, he would have won. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Isn't that like kind of like the John
1: Ashcroft thing? Like didn't John Ashcroft the Bush attorney general. He lost to a dead uh, guy, yeah. He lost to a dead guy, yeah, yeah, exactly. We call oh that around God. here
0: the greater unifying theory of fuck that guy we're like <laughs> everybody's like no we don't like this either like could you imagine a situation like today where an entire political party is like no we're gonna help you fuck yourself over and not like a local or congressional race but like for the president of the united states like the democrats being like yeah we totally support donald trump to run against fucking desantis or whatever it's gonna I don't, be i don't have to i don't have to i don't have to imagine that's that's true in, in, you live in, tw- in the 2019 UK.
1: <laughs> with the labor party like the basically like the, the 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 right wing of the Labour Party, which is basically all of it, was like, no, please destroy rid us of this meddlesome priest. Fucking destroy our party. We deserve to lose this election. We are like if you vote for our party, you're an anti Semite. Like it, yeah, which my position on this is that's complete fucking horseshit, but uh that is hundred percent what happened. So yep, I, I can totally imagine it. But I can't imagine I guess Ulysses S. Grant, you know, war hero, fucking massive alcoholic, being a dumbass, like in a way, it's good to get a perspective on that because I'll be honest with you, I don't know that much about Grant. Uh, I know Grant's buried in New York City, randomly. Uh, Grant's tomb is near Columbia University. Uh, I knew he was president. I knew he was uh, you know, general in the Civil War, but I did not realize that he, he basically... Um, uh, fucking...
0: He January 6th his own party. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I will say, every once in a while, there's a guy that while he's a general... I mean, of course, all generals fucking suck. When it comes to someone like Grant, he was very, very good during the Civil War, uh, outside of a few isolated cases, right? And that's where his career probably should have ended. And it really sounds like he kind of is like, so it's like, you should run for president. You should run for president. He's like, all right, I suppose I will. Right? Like, <laughs> I really like being president. Because up yeah, until, I'm fucking
1: drunk shit. Up
0: until he became a general in the Civil War, like his entire life was a string of failures. Like one after another, he was fucking bankrupt. He's working at like a local fucking store after he left the military the first time. Like if the Civil War never would have happened, he dies uh, like a homeless alcoholic. He's basically like vet bro of his era. Yeah, I-, I would I would say like comparing him to modern day vet bros is like almost a disrespectful Tim, but also no, you're you're correct because <laughs> he's still a fucking I mean, asshole. <laughs> I just, I, 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 I think that the spirit lives
1: eternal. I not too long ago read a book about uh, the, the, the troubles in northern ireland and um there was a story about one of one of the provisional ira sort of like civilian auxiliaries and she really struggled to like readjust to life after the war and like was constantly like yelling at her professor and doing marine todd shit when she was trying to get a university degree and i was like (laughs) wait the ira has vet bros like (laughs) vet bro is a fucking it's an all it's an ecumenical term encompasses all genders all sexualities all races and all wars i wonder what's going on with the
0: isis vet bros now
1: I was like, within you is the, is the capacity to generate a Black Rifle coffee company for your specific conflict.
0: <laughs> now, Nate, that was the story of the time that the U.S. almost annexed the Dominican Republic. Um, and we do have this thing on the show called Questions from the Legion. If you'd like mm-hmm. to ask us a question from the Legion, donate to the show. Ask us via Patreon, Discord. Um, put it in a bottle and throw it into the ocean. And if it gets to the UK, Nate will answer it. Um, if if yeah, it makes it sure to me, you have you got problems. <laughs> You've split the atom somehow. Uh, today's question from Legion says, you guys are content creators. Thanks. I hate that term. Uh, what are some non-podcast content creators that you enjoy?
1: Well, I mean, it really depends on how you want to define content creators. Um, I am a huge fan of uh, the band Flasher. They're an American band uh making new music completely new their first Wait, album came out in 2018 are,
0: is, are, is a band are, are, is music considered content creation now well, like
1: my friend my friend Dan uh who was a podcaster with um with Riley from Trash Future they they recently ended their show because they didn't have time but Dan like is a professional musician has been in a ton of bands he's currently in Arcade Fire he uh put his band on Patreon and like they put out new songs demos stuff like Q&As with fans um via Patreon so like in a way I think you can be. If you're specifically being like content creators in like internet are content. All things.
0: I mean, everything is content, right? Like I write books.
1: Books are content. Yeah. Books are content. Yeah. You you, you could, if you wanted to, you could like do like a Charles Dickens style serialized novel on Patreon.
0: It's not like we're It's, it's not like anybody has ever accused us of being influencers, which is not a job that is real. Um, no,
1: yeah, that's a whole different yeah. thing. I, I would say, I mean, if 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 you're specifically saying it's got to be stuff that's available like via
0: internet, social media, things along those lines, Um say internet based I'm, could be count anything that you can access via the internet could be content. Uh, in in this I'm, context, I would say then I'm a, I periodically like uh
1: watching um what's it called uh the, the the YouTube channel not just bikes. It's just a guy who talks about. <laughs> Shitty public infrastructure roads, like how stuff is inaccessible to anybody but car drivers. Uh, yeah, uh, he's like a, he's a Canadian dude who lives in the Netherlands, and he, he basically was like, "Fuck cars, I hate this shit." And he, he <laughs> took advantage of the Canadian Netherlands friendship treaty, to move his family to the Netherlands, and he just like learned Dutch. So a bit of an extreme guy, but I think his videos are very well like put together and explained and stuff. And I just, I mean, as a guy who like has spent, I haven't owned a car. I mean, I can obviously have a driver's license, I can drive, but I, I haven't owned a car. Since 2014, I because I don't have a cities. driver's
0: license in this country, so I'm out. <laughs> my American driver's you know, license just, is actually since expired.
1: Oh, look at you! You've gone the full, the full, the the, the full insane developing world expat experience. I mean, you know, like all your IDs expired. I
0: don't even like. I would have renewed it as just like, what if I go back to the U.S. and I because then you need to drive a car where I'm from. Like even you if sure even do. if just I to, have visit, to drive today, yeah, yeah, even just to visit my my parents. But it's like, I have no way to renew this. Mailing anything from here to the U.S. is like, roll the fucking dice if you get it back. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I mm-hmm. might as well just wait until I go back and hopefully I can just renew it at the DMV if, if, if I go back anytime soon, you know? My, my brother was able to renew his license in Indiana
1: after having not lived in... In fact, he was able to get his license in Florida uh, by having Indiana fax stuff down and his, his license had been expired for a long time. So like... I definitely know. Like, I, I can't imagine Michigan's that much more See, That's strict. one
0: of my problems is actually the last state that I lived in where I bothered to get my driver's license in is Washington. A state which I have no intention of moving back. I'm fucked. It's fine. I, I don't plan on moving back to the <laughs> US anyway. might
1: actually have a functioning state government that takes it seriously. They, they, I don't they know. They fucking
0: probably would too, because I remember having to renew it there <laughs> and it was a pain in the ass. Well, So Joe, what's your favorite content creator? So I, I go in like... um I have a lot of things I watch on YouTube, mostly just for background noise uh, when I'm writing because I can't work in complete silence. It drives me nuts. Um, whether I'm writing for the podcast or writing a novel or whatever, I have to have something going on. And I don't own a TV anymore. So like I mostly just YouTube it unless I'm watching Netflix or something. But one YouTube creator that I actually don't listen to for background noise and I always pay attention to is this guy that goes by the name Super Patch Wolf. Don't ask me why he has that name.
1: <laughs> um,
0: and he's this Irish guy who talks about anything from uh, horror films, professional wrestling, uh, how weird fake martial arts are, are funny. Um, and he's like, I think a lot of it has to do with his, like, you know, sometimes some people's voices are just soothing to you. Like, yeah, I think his voice just like hits that. And his like his videos can be anywhere from 30 minutes to two hours long. And even if it's about something I absolutely do not give a single shit about. I'll watch the entire thing. Um, like, for instance, he put out a video about like uh, how influencers are uh, fucking with how content creators see themselves on on the internet, um, and like how how incredibly stressful it can be from someone trying to make a living doing this. And I never thought about some of the things that he had said until like, cause he makes his living making YouTube videos uh, is something like millions of subscribers or whatever. And I, and like, I never realized that some of these like weird anxious habits that he has, I also have, and they're incredibly unhealthy until like he said that. And it really actually, it really did help me like s- constantly staring at metrics. Like you're my producer. You've gotten these texts before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, I realized how in- insanely unhealthy that is um and like stuff like that but it is very very good content creator uh and some people on the patreon might know that i'm a huge fan of his because before i knew what how to like use patreon i subscribed to his patreon and i didn't know if you have patreon subscribers of your own and, and you don't have this turned off it alerts everybody that you're a subscriber to his patreon so like how, f- however four thousand people were uh patrons of lines of my donkeys got an alert that i had subscribed to his. <laughs> that's, that's
1: amazing that's amazing yeah yeah i i know that stuff uh yeah i'll check him out i've actually never heard of this before so i'll definitely check it's it out it's very very uh,
0: good yeah i cannot recommend it enough no i don't know him i would love to get him on the show but he is way too famous for me instead uh nate has to put up with my shit um
1: yeah i mean um the only thing i can say that i i i appreciate periodically is uh um god there was the guy who who makes uh youtube what's it called um what is it is it max or the guy who does the youtube videos um where he does like what they call incorrect summaries of certain video games and he his his it's like long like video essays but it's just making fun of it and they're actually very 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 funny if you ever saw that thing about like why don't you back it up with a source and the guy's like my sources that i made it the fuck up <laughs> yes that's that's him doing a parody, basically overdub of Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was wondering uh, I, where it was that Metal Gear Rising came from. Oh God! Even if you've never played the game, just watch. I'll send you. A, I'll, I'll link it to you. It's so incredibly funny. Like it's it's genuinely. I'm not really into gaming, so like it's hard to get excited about games. But because I did play the Metal Gear Solid franchise a lot when I was like a young teenager, you know, into like high school. Um. I just am familiar enough with how ridiculous Hideo Kojima games are that, like, I, I, I just really appreciate the guy riffing on it. So, like, that you watch that stuff and you're like, oh, this is why people make hundreds of thousands of dollars on YouTube. Like, people who do this stuff well, it's really entertaining. And this is this is just like both no studio would ever greenlight this for TV, and also for like licensing reasons, they could never of do course. it. Can only exist on YouTube. So it's like I do think that like yeah, the medium can be really impressive.
0: So. I'll check out this Super Eyepatch Wolf. Yeah, he he rules. Uh, Nate, thank you so much for joining me again. Uh, It's been a joy having you on this many times, and I look forward to having you on more in the future. Um, You can use this area to plug the shows that I'm sure nobody here has ever heard of. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity. I am the producer and
1: co-host of this show and What a Hell of a Way to Die and Trash Future. And I'm the producer of Kill James Bond. So if you want to hear uh, you want to hear the three funniest trans people on the planet talk about Bond movies and Euro spy movies and action movies uh, from a feminist perspective, or at least from a critical perspective, listen to Kill James Bond. If you want to hear about uh, all of the weird creatures and creations of the zero interest economy in the tech industry, listen to Trash Future. And then if you want to hear two two veteran dads basically talking about how to not be an angry veteran, uh listen to What a Hell of a Way to Die.
0: Yeah. Um, and if you like this show, consider supporting us on Patreon. This episode is a little bit different. It was, you know, much looser. I feel like we've been tackling some pretty serious stuff here. We're coming off the troubles series. So I think it's good to occasionally just kind of go nuts uh with uh with the, with a more chill episode. So I hope everybody liked it. But consider supporting us on Patreon. You get episodes like this early. Uh, you get other uh, bonus episodes that are only available to supporters of the show. You get access to our Discord, which is a lovely community full of weirdos that I love very much, uh, where we play video games together and just hang out. Um, you get books, stickers, and all sorts of other stuff. Or just leave us a, uh, a review on what it, wherever you listen to your podcast. That's how we were recently given an award for the Best History Podcast is because you guys give us so many reviews. So thank you so much for that. And uh, until next time, Uh, don't take over the Dominican Republic, I guess.